Hello, this is Tom Pasello, the ROI guy, and welcome to the Evolvers podcast, sponsored by sales enablement platform provider, Mediafly. Our mission, to provide you with the independent insights, community advice, and tools to guide your sales enablement journey and fuel your professional evolution. My guest today is Ryan Roten of brand messaging consultancy, Career Brand. He is the author of the book, Career Cred, four simple steps to build your personal brand and boost credibility in your career. And he is the host of the Brand New You podcast. We're here to talk about how to leverage the right messaging and storytelling to better connect and engage with today's more digital, remote, and wary buyer. Evolvers, please, a warm welcome for Ryan Roten. Thanks, Tom, for having me on. It's an honor to be here. Awesome. Well, pleasure to have you, and storytelling is near and dear to my heart. We are absolutely in a world now and forevermore where selling will overwhelmingly be digital and remote. In fact, I just read a Gartner report that said, you know, 80% of buying will be digital in 2025. So, you know, as a result, if you're a seller, you're a marketer, you got to have the right messaging. You're a seller, you got to be able to storytell. Um, but, you know, we see common issues and challenges where solution providers just don't seem to be getting this right and getting the message how important this is in a new yeah. digital and remote world. Ryan, talk to that a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think the biggest thing people need to be aware of now is the importance of their online presence, of their digital presence. I mean, COVID hit us fast and hard. And we went from office and in-person visits to literally, you know, contained in a room, what feels like overnight and now feels like forever. <laughs> and, you know, what do, what do people do today when they find out about something they want to learn more about, whether it's a thing or a person, right? They get online, they check you out. If they know they have a meeting or a Zoom call scheduled with you, they're going to go Google you. They're going to go to your LinkedIn profile mm -hmm. and they're going to see what you're all about. And if you don't have a strong digital presence that reinforces the reasons why you want, they want to talk to you or you want to talk to them, you're kind of inserting doubt into their minds before they ever get on the call. And then that's a hump that you're going to have to get over during that call. Whereas if you had a really solid online presence where people could read it, it's very clear. They go, Oh man, I know what Tom's all about. I kind of got an idea of how this call is going to go. It will make your life so much easier and it will actually make selling easier as well. So you've got to think about your professional profile. And then certainly if you're an organization, if you're running marketing, you're a sales leader, you've got to worry about the company profile as well. Where do you see companies going wrong? Yeah, interesting. Um, the companies are going along by not having a cohesive strategy. So for example, I've been spending a lot of time this year helping companies get their LinkedIn presence squared away, meaning uh, helping them write their company about section putting together their company page, making sure that all of their senior executives, especially and sales team, all have not the same story, but they're all telling a story that's similar, right? So everybody has their own unique perspective. So when I'm interviewing somebody before I write their profile, I want to find that unique thing for them, but then to tie all that back to the company so that if I go and search multiple people within your company, I'm finding very similar things. So there's not, you know, just disparate messaging that would make me stop and go, okay, wait a minute, hold on. 
Um, because you know, there's nothing worse than uh, going somewhere and finding a whole bunch of different messages or actually just not even being found at all. Yeah. So there's got to be that common kind of point of view that's out there. And LinkedIn is just one of the sources. Like you said, there's the corporate website, there's other social media channels that you do have to be conscious of that the company has that <laughs> common point of view. And then, like you said, then the professional profiles of the key individuals and customer facing team has to have that cohesive professional profile as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if nothing else, people need to realize that somebody is going to look you up mm -hmm. and what they find can make the difference between a good sales call or no sales call. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, we're gonna talk a little bit about the professional profile in a moment, but let's talk about from a company perspective. So I know that you are into storytelling, particularly about brands. What makes for good messaging? Yeah, two things, simplicity mm -hmm. and clarity. Two things, simplicity, be simple, be clear. Don't make people guess at what you do. Mm -hmm. They should be able to go to your profile, your website, whatever, and they should very quickly be able to, to see what you do, how you add value, and how they'll benefit from your products and services. I truly believe that clarity today in our thumb scrolling world is a competitive advantage. And simplicity, I think, is important as well. Um, we are inundated with so much information. Um, mm -hmm. And there were so many different channels that I know I just check on a regular basis every day. It's amazing. So it's not just email. We've got, I've got chatter going off constantly yeah, um, via yeah. Slack, right? You've got all the social media channels. If you've got a presence on any of them that you got to keep on top of what your yep. competition is posting, what you're posting, and it can be overwhelming, right? Yeah, totally. All that stuff. And one of the biggest, um, I'm going to do this in quotes, even though nobody will see this, but one of the biggest sins I will, you will, or if you will, that I see now is companies continuing to use jargon and industry language mm -hmm. in their messaging. And you know, nobody has time to interpret what you're trying to say. So just say it, leave the jargon behind leave your, leave your uh, industry speak behind, your acronyms behind. Nobody understands that stuff and they won't take the time to try to figure it out. Not when, they're, not when there's other websites out there that are clearer and they don't use all this jargon so they can just go there and go, oh, I know what I'm getting over here. Over here, I have to interpret it. I have to figure it out. I got I, I don't even know what you do, you know? So our brains are actually wired to do two things. One is help us survive and thrive. Mm -hmm. And the second piece is to believe it or not to conserve calories, meaning our brains don't actually like to think that much. They mm -hmm. want to make quick snap decisions. And the way that you can help people quickly connect with you and your brand is by being simple and clear and not making me spend a whole lot of time thinking about what you want me to know. And so if you can um, relate to an existing business, help them to organize and categorize what it is that you do, that tends to be one of our power saving mechanisms from, from what I understand. Is that true, Ryan? Yeah, totally. I mean, think about it. If you have, if you have two, just say you could, you took two competing websites and you printed off the front page and you set them side by side and you were reading through both of them, I promise you the one that you get fastest whether they're a superior product or not, 
you're going to go with the one you understand versus the one you have to interpret. And believe it or not, being simple and clear is not as easy as what you think it is. So a couple of things there. One is on simplicity and clarity. One of the things that I like to do, and I'd like to get an evaluation of this from you is rather than describe what the company does, one of the first things I love to do is describe the challenges that are being solved. Keep it simple, yeah. but but connect with the why first, as mm-hmm. opposed to the what or the how. What's your opinion on that? I totally agree. If you're if you're not talking about your customers' problems, the obstacles that they face, they will not listen. Yeah. Um, you know, seven years ago, marketing used to be about telling people what you want them to know. Today, all that has flipped and your marketing needs to be about your customers and it needs to be about the problems that they have so that you can position yourself as the solution to their problems. Hey, I I have a packaged product, service, whatever it might be, and this thing can help you get past your obstacles. It's, It's exactly like in the movie Star Wars when... Uh, Luke Skywalker wants to become a Jedi Knight, but he doesn't know how. So his problem is he doesn't know how. And then along comes Obi-Wan Kenobi who says, Hey, it's okay. I've been there. Mm -hmm. I understand the problems that you're facing and I can help you get past those obstacles. Totally agree. And I think that it, if you're able to connect with them around the um, why you exist and the why problems that you're solving, they are then open for, the solution and kind of the happily ever after, but they have to be engaged with you on the complexity and the pain first. And, you know, that leads us to the next element, which is storytelling, which is also really important. Talk about that as one of the most important elements in getting that messaging right. Yeah. I mean, very simply, story is a sense making device. It is literally how we make sense of the world. If I ask you to remember something from your childhood, you know, say your favorite teacher, chances are you're not going to remember this teacher specifically. You're going to remember a story about that teacher. Mm -hmm. If you think, if I ask you what you had for lunch last week, you're not going to think of the sandwich or the chips or the whatever it was you had. You're going to think of the situation that you were in and the people that you were with and the story that was happening at that time. And your, your customers are no different. They're living in a story of their own, which is, I want to obtain something. I want to achieve a goal. I have these aspirations I want to meet, meet, but I have these problems that are in my way. And so from a brand standpoint, we want to be able to talk about those things first, get our customers to engage in that story. And then we kind of get permission to start to talk about ourselves, which is really a big change from a few years ago is we didn't need permission. We just did things. We just said, this is what we're going to, this is what we do. And today you almost need that permission. And when you can engage people in a story about their problems and the things they want first, you'll find that they will ask you to give them further information. Absolutely. I love the fact of um, what you're talking about in terms of reality and stories. Um, I like to think of it as, you know, we're living in these 1.5 second moments and everything in the past is a story that we make up about our reality and ourselves. And everything in the future is a story that we might be anxious about or hopeful about uh, in the same light. 
So yeah. we are living in a story, one that we make up about our past and project into the future, right? Right, so right. the more you can connect with that, I think the better um, you can kind of shape reality and gain access to reality for the individuals that you're trying to access. Now, what makes up, we talked about what makes up good messaging, which is simplicity and clarity, particularly that focused on the customer problems and then your solution. What, what makes up a good story? Almost the exact same things, except leading with the problems that you know your customers have. So for example, you could say, like, here's a story uh, that I'll make up. Once upon a time, I was going to meet customer X who wanted to achieve goal Y. The problem is they were struggling with these particular things, which was making them feel frustrated or angry or even upset. And you said earlier, 80% of 80, 80 or 85% of purchasing is going to be digital, right? Well, 80% of purchasing today is made on emotions. Mm -hmm. And I will buy things. I'm a hundred percent guilty of this, by the way, mm -hmm. I will buy things because I want to get rid of a problem, but rather than say, I'm getting rid of this, I'm buying this to get rid of the problem. I do it because I've don't want to be frustrated anymore. I don't want to be upset anymore. Or maybe in some cases I want to look cool or my perception of cool. So in order to achieve that, I have to get rid of that obstacle, which means I'm going to be buying based on emotions. So as we're telling this story, we have to think through what are the frustrations and fears and, and uh, you know, challenges that make our customers feel a certain way. And when we talk about those, then we can say, and then we come along and we show you our products and services and how they can help you get success and avoid failure. Yeah. Now, a couple of things in there, because there's a lot of wisdom in what you just um, uncovered for us and what makes good storytelling. First of all, it follows a shape, um, often called Freytag's triangle or the storyteller's arc, as it's been documented in all great stories. I can't say exclusively follow this shape because there are much more complex versions that Kurt Vonnegut yeah, right. used as opposed to Walt Disney, right? But if you if you follow a good Walt Disney movie, you know, there's a reveal. So the story that you had, there was a reveal of a, of a situation and then there was growing complexity that you demonstrated. And then there was some consequence to that complexity mm -hmm. and um, frustration. And then you kind of painted a vision for a solution presented the solution. And then there was kind of the happily ever after. And that's that kind of shape that we're looking towards. Um, Ryan, one of the things I use is a moniker to kind of um, an acronym to um, illustrate that. And it's called CLOSE, Challenge, Loss, Opportunity, Solution, and then Evidence. And one of the things that you did as well in your story is you didn't introduce the solution right at the beginning. Um, although there are certainly shapes of stories where the end is revealed right at the beginning, most of the time, those are not effective when we're create, when we're connecting in these B2B sales environments. And so you don't want to introduce the solution too early. You want to kind of build up that tension, that complexity, that, that um, drama a little bit before you talk about who you are and what you can do for them and then the happily ever after, right? So talk yeah. about the, the shape and then talk about the introduction of solution. Yeah, I mean, you totally want people to feel the pain of what they're experiencing. Like you're not manipulating them. You are simply putting in front of them what they already feel and know, yeah. and you're reiterating it in a way that makes them go, 
oh yeah, I need to get rid of that. <laughs> There's an empathetic connection that occurs there and that amplification, that illumination, right? Yeah, hundred percent. And when you can empathize with somebody's situation, you almost immediately start to gain trust. Right. And so you're back to the whole no like and trust thing. So what we talked about before was the digital piece, like mm -hmm. digital, your digital presence, how people get to know you, what you do online, the things you say, the things you post, the way you act slash behave online. That's how people get to know you. And then if you can empathize with them through story, as you go to sell them new products or services, now you're, you're touching on all three of those things. I mean, I remember going on sales calls when I worked in the corporate world and some of the sales guys that I was with, they would be very excited to sell the new widget. Yeah. Like, Hey, we got this great and wonderful thing. Here's what it is. And usually that was the lead in to get into the business, but they led with here it is this is great this is wonderful but they never took the time to say what is the problem you guys are having maybe this new thing doesn't even help you yeah like i don't know that and but you're introducing I, complexity right which is when you think about how people from a neuro perspective are dealing with uncertainty today it's the exact opposite of what you should be doing oh yeah well think of, i mean just think about Right now with COVID, right? So we're in, we're in November in the midst of COVID. And there's so much complexity, so much overwhelm. So people are feeling so many different things that they've never had to feel before. Mm -hmm. And if you go into a sales call or you lead a sales call with something that is confusing to them, something that's not necessarily going to help them, like they can't click right away and go, I don't get how this helps me. All you're doing is adding to all that confusion and complexity. You're not helping take any of that away from them. Yeah. And that over choice is freezing so many customers in place. The, the oh, yeah. amplification of complexity, the amplification of status quo bias, uh, where the cost and risk of change is high. Anytime you're introducing any kind of uncertainty or complexity or solutions that don't exactly map to high priority pain points they're trying to solve, I think you're doing more harm than good. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, I kind of like it. I look at it as I could go into a restaurant, think about, think if you go into a restaurant and they just give you a list of all the ingredients that's there, like this is everything that we have back in the kitchen. Tell me what you want. Yeah. You know, you're, you're immediately going to have overwhelm. You don't know how, you know, you don't know how a spice is going to react with this. And like, that's why there's chefs who package up our solutions because they know that there is a taste, if you will, that somebody is looking for to satisfy an external problem, which is I'm hungry. Internally, they want something that's good that tastes like this. And so I package it up for you so you don't have to figure out how to do it yourself. Exactly. And then some of the best restaurants, it's completely curated, right? And that curation yeah. is actually what you're paying for. And that experience, not necessarily, I mean, certainly the food and the great other aspects of it, but uh, curation nowadays, I think is absolutely essential, making sure that you're not presenting too many choices. Um, right. The science behind it is choice attracts, but it does not get decisions to be made. And so even though you might be offering a lot of different capabilities that are out there, you really have to get to the tastes or the specific challenges that the buyer's having and curate precisely, as precisely as you can, mm -hmm. what is needed to take that choice and the noise off the table. And that's a, clearly a competitive advantage if you can do that today. Yeah. And another, just to kind of tag on that a little bit, another thing that I see people do is they try to develop one message, if you will, for all their customer types. Mm -hmm. 
regardless of the problem that's being solved. And I was just on a call this morning with the company, very technical company, like jargon and scientific stuff, like that's their lives. And, uh, you know, so I'm, so they're kind of struggling with Hey, I, the science is cool, but like, don't lead with that, <laughs> you know, but you have to, you have to know that there's different messages for different people. So if you're talking to an end user, that person has different problems than somebody who say, who says is a distri- is in distribution. They may sell your product or service, but they want they they need completely different messaging. Do they need the messaging for the end user? Yes, because they're ultimately going to sell for them. But when you're selling to them, you have to talk differently to them than you do an end user. If you're a service provider and you're selling a product or a service like I do, you need to know who your audience is so you know how to tailor your message. And I have personal brands that I work with, which need one message, executives, and then I have another audience, which is business owners that need a different message. And if I tried to cram them all together, it just, it just wouldn't work. It would lead to further overwhelm. Correct. And then you align it on a persona basis. Certainly. I think that's one way to look at it, but then for the personas being able to do some discovery around the challenges that they're faced with and then have challenge specific messaging, I think is absolutely needed as well. Yeah, totally. I mean, all my, any messaging I do with my clients is all around obstacles, but I don't know the right obstacles to talk about if I don't know who my persona is first. Correct. Completely agree. And I think that's a great order. You know, we talked about good messaging and we, we hit on this a little bit. How do you, t- or even the storytelling, the, um, the kind of persona messaging, challenge messaging, how do you know when you've got the messaging right? How do you validate <laughs> that it's correct, that it's not filled with the jargon because you've been involved with it so long, you're probably blind to a lot of it. So how do you advise companies to test out the messaging to make sure it is simple, it is clear? Exactly that. Call up some customers, talk to them. Don't tell them what your messaging is, but ask them questions questions that you used to come up with the messaging that you have and say, does this resonate with you? Is this, and better yet, just call them as you're developing your messaging and ask them, what problem were you dealing with when you came to us? Mm-hmm. How did that problem make you feel? How is your life better now as a result of working with me? And getting us? messaging direct from your customer advisory. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. And then uh, testing uh, it with, the, with analysts and customers, I think is another, is what you're saying is get it yeah. from the customers and then test it back to other customers and perhaps other analysts to make sure that it's clear. Yep, 100%. And also just like a great place to get messaging. By the way, if you can use your customer's exact language, that is always best. But a great place to get messaging is from your customer testimonials because they will often tell you in the testimonial the problem they were struggling with, mm-hmm. how it was making them feel, what success looks like for them now. A lot of a lot of folks that I work with, service providers, like to collect. I like I call it collect testimonials, like awards. Like you just you know, and you know that they're doing it because you go to their website and they have one page specifically for all testimonials. Yeah, you know, like that's okay, but wouldn't it be better to have testimonials scattered throughout, you know, peppered, if you will, throughout your website mm-hmm. in the places where they make the most sense, so that when I'm reading copy on your website. I've got a testimonial that's reinforcing that copy right there. I don't have to go to another page. I don't have to go to your testimonial wall of achievement and try to figure it out because the truth is the more testimonials you have there, the less likely I am to read them. Yeah. But if you put them in a page where I can see them, 
now they're valuable to me and I can figure out, you know, what, what problems you were struggling with. Is that similar to me and, you know, and make my decisions on how to act accordingly. So testimonials are a really great place to find uh, messaging and specifically the exact words that your customers use. I think one of the other things that is sometimes good to do is uh, the mom test or you know, you know, mm. your grandmother test. Um, mm -hmm. If you can explain what you do to someone who is not in the industry at all right. um, and is probably the least likely to understand it, sometimes that can be good. Although it can certainly simplify things too much at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I don't know that you can, I don't know that you can ever simplify things too much because even the people who totally get it and understand it, they're still going to appreciate the reinforcement of their knowledge yeah. because then they know for sure that their understanding is exactly correct. And there's no doubt, like you haven't introduced any doubt in their mind whatsoever. They just get it. Yeah, absolutely. Crystal clear. So let's go over. I, I promise to get back on the personal branding because I think this is absolutely <laughs> so important, right? As a salesperson, it can be really difficult nowadays. Uh, you know, trade shows are shut down. So there's a lot of, I know you're on LinkedIn and have a big presence there. Uh, the outreach is ridiculous at this point. And you get yeah. a lot of non-value added outreach and engagement. Um, it's a nice way to say at, it. You go and look at the people and they don't have a brand. They don't have a presence. You immediately mm -hmm. know that they're just reaching out to sell you something. So yep. talk about the importance of a personal brand to help to support good prospecting, good outreach and good selling. Yeah. So here, here's one of the weirdest, it's the weirdest yet coolest things I think about social media and just your digital presence in general. It used to be in order for you and I to have a connection, to understand if we quote fit together, we have to get in front of each other, either on a phone where we're still not seeing each other, mm -hmm. or we had to be together face to face. And then we kind of had to think about whether or not we clicked right mm -hmm. today. I can go to people's social media profile. I can look up their digital presence. I can see the content that they're posting and I can have a really good idea of whether or not you and I are going to work well together. Yeah. And by the way, Ryan, we did that, right? We don't, you know, I, I don't know if I want to say that, but I mean, we didn't know each other before we no. found each other's profiles. Right. Yeah. hundred yeah. percent. I mean, your digital presence can build rapport with someone mm -hmm. without them ever speaking to you. I mean, I have had, you know, and you talk about messaging and how do you know it resonates with your customer? I've had videos that I have put out on LinkedIn that have generated engagement in form of comments like, wow, I thought I was the only one who felt this way. Uh -huh. That that engagement then turns into a to a direct message in LinkedIn, which ends up an appointment on my calendar, and then ultimately, like a week afterwards, this person becomes a client because yeah. they felt that connection. They they felt the rapport, and they're like, "Holy holy cow!" Ryan not only knows my problem, but I think I can work with this guy. And that to me is the power of really taking charge of your personal brand. Like it's not this fake branding thing. It's being authentic and genuine online in a way that people can look at you and go, Oh, that's, that's definitely somebody I can work with. Now, Ryan, in that, I think you and I approach this the same way. We're not out there selling anything in that personal Correct. brand, right? It is mm -hmm. literally, we, we feel like we've got a point of view or a message to get out there. We feel like if people listen to us, 
they would be better off and have a better life and learn something and have it affect them in a positive way and affect the people around them in a positive way. So it's, it's that brand, but it's not a brand around selling or pitching a product. It's a brand around helping. Yes. Like I, I, my video, if you check out my online presence, you will see all of my videos are discussing common challenges, problems, or obstacles that I know my audience faces. Mm -hmm. And that's what I talk about. And I let them know that right up front. Then I tell them, here are ways that you can fix that. And then at the end, I simply say things like subscribe, send me a direct message. Like there's no, I don't ever say go buy my thing. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Um, Ultimately, that's what I want them to do, of course, but I'm never that direct with it because people know that that's what you want them to do. So talk about their problems, talk about position yourself so that you become the solution. And then the sale becomes a lot more natural. So it's sharing um, research and insights that you find, sharing learnings and experiences, stories of customers that you've engaged with and problems yeah. that they've had. And um, it's not about talking about your product and what the product does. Um, it's not uh, pitching. Uh, it's mm. not worthless outreach. Um, I mean, when you reach out to Ryan or I, share something, share an article that you think we should be talking about. Share something that we can learn from. And I can almost guarantee you that we'll consume it, look at it and comment back. Um, I know I do all the time, but Ryan, I know you get plenty of other emails that are not that way. That's immediately, right after you accept that person's invite, you know that you're gonna get spammed and you're (laughs) like, "Why why did I just accept that? Oh yeah, 100%. But there's, here's a little trick, especially on LinkedIn. Um, and this is how you'll know immediately that it's a spam from like a third party program. Mm-hmm. Take your first name and change it. Like put it all in capital letters, put a capital letter with a period after each of your letters, put a little emoji in the front of your name. And the reason I'm giving you these suggestions is because no one will ever write you a personal letter with a beer glass emoji as high beer glass emoji or high Ryan, all capital letters with periods in between. Nobody does that, but a bot who's reaching out to all these different people would just grab the first part of your name and stick it right into the message. And so that's just a little trick, but you're right out. Even outside of that, it's, it's just way too easy these days to, to identify those people who are just going to start spamming you as soon as, as soon as you click yes. I actually say no today way more than I say yes. Yeah. And you almost have to, unfortunately, but that's not how it should be. Um, You know, if you work on your brand and if you truly are dedicated to solving people's problems, which is a good salesperson nowadays, you have to, um, there's no reason why you can't share content and share advice and have a voice. Uh, I think there's room for many, many voices out there and many helpers. People are looking for help. They're looking for advice. And the more you can position yourself as a trusted advisor out there, the better. And it, and it, Ryan, does it, I mean, it takes time, right? You and I have been at this and probably at our point of view for a while. Tell me how long you've been, touting (laughs) messaging and storytelling we both have a little bit of gray you got quite a bit there and i do too (laughs) yeah so i mean i've i started my business five years ago now is that right 
Yeah. Five years ago, part-time started part-time. And then I went full-time three years ago and I've just, I've literally, and I still today, I'm just refining my message and refining my message. And, uh, every time I have, a somebody reach out or engage with me in some way, I'm talking, I'm asking them what problems they're struggling with. I'm asking them, you know, what are the things they're trying to achieve? Because I want to know if I can, if I can help them get where they want to go. And if I can't, then I'm not going to try to sell them something that's not going to fit for them. I'm going to try to find them someone in my network that is a good fit for them that can help them with those problems. And, you know, so I don't think you ever really finalize your messaging. You're always working on it. You're always tweaking it just a little bit, but your messaging should always be about the other person and never about yourself. Yeah, completely agree. And I think that, you know, if you start your personal branding today, if you're inspired by what Ryan and I are, are talking about, um, no better chance to start that journey on take that first step today. Um, you start sharing some content this week, next week, the week after at the end of a year, you know, you've shared 52, 100 different pieces of content out there. Maybe you're starting to write some of your own. Maybe you're mm -hmm. inspired to do your own podcast or um, do videos. Very powerful. Yeah. We've got a couple of sellers on our team that are putting together dynamite videos of stories and just personal struggles that they're having through this. And it's, it's all just learning and branding. And I think that it's really important to get your unique voice out there. What's the one piece of advice, Ryan, that you'd like to leave our evolvers with today? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's actually this, like, just don't make people guess at how they benefit from helping you be simple, be clear in your messaging, because frankly, today, more than ever, being clear about your positioning, how you package your offer, how you promote your services can make the difference between losing a sale or gaining a lifelong client. So important. Ryan, thank you so much. We'll include your LinkedIn link so people can check out your videos, your podcast, your articles, just like I did to get connected with you. And uh, I can't thank you enough. Thank you for joining us and participating to make the Evolvers a great and a growing community. Now, thank you, Tom. I appreciate you having me on. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Until next time, Evolvers, keep evolving.